Apostates Anonymous, the show you turn to when you're no longer an evangelical, with your hosts, hosts, authors Keith Giles and Matthew J. DiStefano. Hey Keith, we have a uh, an exciting show today. Something you didn't want to talk about, so we're going to talk. <laughs> yeah, about there you it. go. Well, I mean, it's one of these things where when uh, when this clip from uh, John Cooper first came out, I was kind of hot about it, and um, I even wrote a blog post in response to it. But um, but yeah, then now it's just kind of like I kind of just want the guy to go away, and I kind of also don't. I don't know. It just it seems like unfair to me that the people who like him, who I feel like are not very deep thinkers, um, you know, he can just basically fart out some stupid comment. And the next thing you know, it's like everywhere and everyone's talking about it. It's making, you know, makes this massive splash. And at the end of the day, he's just some goofy guy who sings from a kind of a cheesy band. And like, why is he getting all this attention? For just saying something dumb. Because because we're giving it to him. I know, I know. And that's the <laughs> so, reason why yeah, I'm like, oh, oh who- let's give him some more attention. Let's <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, there, there, there's the bounce. So for people who aren't, don't know, um, John Cooper is the singer of uh, Casserole or Skillet, Skillet I yeah. think. Skillet, <laughs> Skillet, Frying <Fine> Pan. pan. <laughs> um, some band that was relevant, I guess, in, it's like Christian famous, right? Yeah, so, yes, Christian um, famous. And and he went off on deconstruction. He's friends with, I think, like Elisa Childers and all yes, them. And yeah. since we've talked about her and, and we've mentioned, I think, him on the show, now he's making waves because he has, I guess, has the power, similar to Congress, to yes, declare he, war on deconstruction. Yes, he has war, war-making powers, apparently, in the Christian community. And, and, it's, and it's very... Um, <laughs> We'll get into this, but it's very apropos for a Christian oh, to be a warmonger. Oh, yes. Warmonger. I mean, it's really, what's more Christ-like than someone standing up and declaring war against people that disagree with him? And and the people that disagree with him are other Christians. I mean, I think that's just really, that's so appropriate. So thanks, John. Well, and the, the funny thing is that it's not even about him. Like, people are just deconstructing their faith. It's very personal. It's very raw. It's very emotional. Uh-huh. And he's taking it upon himself. And we'll, and we'll uh, I don't even know where to start with this, but... So he's made some statements in some concerts, and we've got some clips to play. Then he's made some clarifications, I guess, but really it's a doubling yes. down. And I've got a, um, I've got an article pulled up where I guess he made a Facebook post where he likens deconstruction to, some would say, hitting on his wife. Some would say, I would say, sexually assaulting <laughs> his wife. Because it's he, he makes the analogy of some random dude walks up to her and forcefully embraces her against uh-huh. her will. So I don't know how he's made it about him, but yeah, he has. And see, and see right, the, right off the bat, this is, I'm glad we're, we're getting into this right off the bat because you, you've made a great point that even though, like, you know, I deconstructed my faith. I started probably like 15 years ago. And here I am minding my own business. You know, I'm kind of alone in my house. I start thinking about something. Maybe I read something. I'm, I'm questioning something. I start digging. I do some research. I think about it some more. I go, you know what? I don't know if I believe this anymore. And you know what? Forgive me. Forgive me, John Cooper, because I didn't realize that when I did that, I was personally attacking you. And I and that, that was something that what I didn't even think. You know, he's right. I didn't think about how this was going to affect John Cooper. 
when I when I started questioning my faith and doubting my faith like that. And yeah. I'm so sorry, John. I just I had no idea that, that what I was doing was a personal attack against you. And it would feel to you, it would have, it would feel the same as if I had sexually assaulted your wife in a restaurant. <laughs> yeah. So this is why the whole thing. So let's, let's, let's pause right there because we do have a word from our sponsor today. And then I want to get into it because there's so much I can say. And, and I'm like, yo, if you want to declare war, shots fired, let's go. <laughs> but, but we do have a lovely yeah, sponsor. Let's pay the bills. So let's hear from them. I think it's going to somewhat be appropriate because you'll, you'll probably get the vibe on how this sponsor relates to uh, John Cooper. Have you ever wondered if there's a correlation between political affiliation and penis size? Well, wonder no more. Pardon the pun, but we at the Council of Conservative Coprology, or COC, have put the question to bed. In a recent study conducted by Dr. Richard S. Peter Plonker, alongside Drs. Willie Ramrod and Roger Tonkyard, we have concluded that there is a direct correlation between being a conservative voter and having a larger penis. Dr. Peter Plonker and his colleagues surveyed over 1,200 willing participants and obtained direct photographic evidence, and the results are astounding. The survey concluded that, on average, the conservative penis was over two inches longer and a half an inch girthier than the liberal, and in the words of Peter Plonker, wimpier counterparts. To read the study, go to www.cock.com slash penis study. That's www.cocc.com slash penis study. Sign up for the newsletter and receive a free ebook written by Dr. Peter Plunker, detailing how you can enhance your manhood just by registering to vote for the Republican Party. This study has not been peer-reviewed. Doctors Peter Plunker, Ramrod, and Tonkyard are not real doctors. They are just perverts who like to take pictures of penises. Use their site at your own discretion. Awesome. There you go. Love it. I hope that made sense. It totally made sense to me. Yeah. <laughs> I, I just I just found out that um, I want to know what happens when, you know, if someone's a conservative and then they deconstruct and become a liberal, does their penis shrink? Oh, yeah. I mean, that, that that's proven. I think science studies have shown. Yeah. <laughs> And you know, and it's it's just rolf it's uh, it's great research too. I'm so glad that teams of scientists are out there doing this kind of very important research. Yeah. Uh huh. Photographic yes, evidence. Photographic evidence, doing measuring techniques. Uh, I think that's really important. Really good work. So for those who haven't figured out, some of our sponsors aren't real. <laughs> but so someone legit came onto my path. Came onto my path. I never know these days because satire is dead. Yes. Um Someone came on my Patheos page and made that claim, like that liberal penises <laughs> are shorter and smaller and less girthy, I guess, than conservative penises. And I was like, bro, I want to know your methodology for yeah, well, this. I would like to see that uh, peer-reviewed study. <clears throat> that sounds really great. Yeah, uh-huh. And you know, and I just I uh-huh. want to say this also quickly about our sponsors too. Like some of the ads, you know, we we pre-recorded a lot of these, so they they're going to be coming up in the future. Um, but uh, a couple of the ones that I have done. Um, as crazy as they sound. I, oh, that was you, Keith? That was you? No, that one, no. No. Oh. But the other ones, ones some you. of them may okay, have been. May, maybe oh. or maybe not. You have to listen maybe. very closely. Okay. But, um, <laughs> but you know, most of them are based on actual ads or, I mean, real products or real ads or actual things that I've seen. And and, I've, and some of them, I've, as crazy as they sound, I've only slightly tweaked them a little bit. Um, and they're and they're just as the most insane things you could imagine. So... That's what I'm saying. Like satire, like it's the same thing with the the satire that I'm writing. People 
I don't know if I mentioned this on this show, but someone actually asked for a source when I talked about a yes. time traveler. I can't like, find the story anywhere. Like, yeah. I can't find this story. What is this real? Like, where's your source? I'm like, my source for a time right. traveler? Like what? Right. And like I think That's... a couple episodes ago we did the Satan Detector one. And that is Satan that detector. by the way, that came the inspiration was I was scrolling through Facebook and there was actually an ad for a Christian, I think it was a book. It was a Christian book, but it was about yeah. uh, like a Satan detector, right? And this book was going to help you detect demons in your house. And I was like, oh my gosh, come on. It reminds, it reminds me in the office when um, Jim pranks Dwight. He may, he gets like, um, like a metal detector, but he turns it into a gaydar. <laughs> That's right. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> do, 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 do. Yep. And it's like, really? Okay. That's well. well, so let's, let's. Um, okay. We've 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 primed the pump and we're ready to um, talk about John Cooper. So so I think my clips. I have five clips. It's they're longer than the one that Relevant used. If anyone has read the Relevant magazine uh, clip that they embed in their article about John Cooper, um, so I, I think I've got it either from the same concert or uh, a concert on their tour, just so we have a little more than a, a one okay. minute clip. So John's going to set the stage here with this. If I can find it, wonderful little yeah. setup here. So let's jump into the skillet here. Let's jump into the skillet. Let's jump into the yeah. frying pan, ladies and gentlemen. I think the world is getting so absolutely insane that this is going to be an incredible year for people who want to find out what life is all about. People are looking for answers. These young people are being raised in the most psychotic time I've ever seen. All you young people here, how many people of you young people, how many do you think this world has lost its mind? Wow. So that that's how he's going to set it there up. There you go. The world has lost um, its mind. Um, yeah. Well, I do think some it, people have lost their mind. He might be right about that. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 yeah. I, I mean, aside from the, um, I guess the, like demonizing people with mental health by calling everything just psychotic. Uh -huh, uh -huh, um, yeah. <laughs> aside from that, uh, yeah, I, I would kind of agree with him that people have. I mean, that the world is a little bit not mm -hmm. so. Obvious for different, for different reasons, reasons, though, which John's going to get yeah. into. We might have different bullet lists of what we would put under the heading of what we qualify right. for things being crazy in the world, living in a crazy world. Um, yeah, I think. Um, but you know what? I, what I will say, uh, at least again, because we cannot seem to have an actual conversation with these kinds of people. They will not talk to us directly. This is the closest we can do is sort of like to try to understand at least what, why they think this way or what, you know, uh, what their perspective is on this. So again, I don't agree with him, but at least it's helpful to understand, okay, for some reason to John Cooper, um, you know, this whole deconstruction thing makes him feel like he's taking crazy pills and the world's gone insane. And, um, and the stakes are high because, you know, he makes allusions there to this idea of like young people and, or, are in living in this crazy time and they, they need answers, you know, and because, and again, in his mind, um, these are answers that have eternal consequence. So we, we shouldn't be messing with this. Right. Well, and that's what Elisa had yep. said in the, in the, in the, um, video we commented on, she got right to it eventually. Yep. Um, there are eternal consequences. Yeah. 
there it, it is uh mike machuga calls it it's a game it's a high stakes game of the of the greatest of kind and that's what life is that's to right them. and so in that way i will concede and say it makes sense that when you th- view life as a high stakes game heaven and hell eternality yep. you will burn forever in hell like you're going to act a yeah. fool. <laughs> you know, like it, 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 this is, this is almost like less about John yes. Cooper and more about the type of things and the type of people that this belief system creates. Yes. And I don't remember where I was watching it. It might've been, it might've been Eve was framed uh-huh. on TikTok her. or Instagram. I think she shares on both. And so if you haven't checked her out, go check out Eve was framed on social media. She was showing a clip of Greg Locke, yeah. the um, the Tennessee yeah, pastor, yeah, quote unquote. Like a- the crazy thing about that guy and like Stephen Anderson mm-hmm. and Westboro Baptist Church is they share the same theology as people like Elisa uh-huh. and John and the people who demonize deconstruction. And so if you're going to speak out against those who are deconstruction, but you're going to be silent about the Greg Locks yep. of the world, this is why we don't take you seriously. This is a part of why we deconstruct. This is a part of why your empire is shrinking and why you're now reacting to the pushback that people are giving. Yep, that's exactly right. That's exactly right. <clears throat> and actually, you know, that would, that would be another, maybe we could do another episode down the road because I think it, it would maybe deserve its own episode to talk about why, like a yeah, great point, you know, as you said, Greg Locke and John Cooper probably have almost the exact same theology. And, um, and what it shows you is, is that how that theology makes it possible for someone like Greg Locke to say those things. And, and again, the reason why someone like John Cooper or Lisa Childers or Sean McDowell won't make a video exposing the quote unquote, the dangers of someone like Greg Locke is that to do so would be to be self-critical. They would have to say, Mm-hmm. They'd have to start critiquing the theology that that um, props up those kinds of conclusions that Greg Locke is making about witches in in his church witches. and whatever stupid stuff. Burning or, yeah, books, yeah. having a book yeah. burning party. So yeah, um, yeah they would have, and then and then once they started critiquing those things, they then then essentially what they'd be doing is going through their own kind of kind of deconstruction. And because deconstruction yeah. is sort of like being self-reflective of your theology and whether it makes sense logically and whether it really fits with the scripture or whatever. And see, they don't want to do that. They're afraid of all of that completely. So because of that, they will give those guys a pass because they can't afford they can't afford to critique those guys because to do that is to critique themselves. Yeah. Yeah, let's get into the next. Uh, all right, here we go back in the skillet. Because there's because we get um, we get a lot more good stuff. Here it comes. I, I, I assure you. Listen up, all you young folks, listen up. You are being lied to every single day. It's true, isn't it? You open up social media, you're being lied to. You watch any news, you're definitely being lied to. You listen to politicians, you're being lied to. Whoa. Now, wow. Okay. So, <clears throat> on one level, 
I mean, you know, let's think about this. Take this out. Take take what he just said out of its sort of like Christian bubble kind of rock concert context, right? If that if that clip right there was Zach Delarocha at a Rage Against the Machine concert, and Zach Delarocha was saying, "You're being lied to every single day. The news is lying to you. Politicians are lying to you. Hollywood is lying to you. Social media influencers are lying to you. Your teachers are lying to you." You know, then they would go straight into, you know, F you, I won't do what you tell me. And you'd be like, yeah, that's mm-hmm. right, man. So, you know, again, just if you just took that quote and that statement by itself outside of what we know he's about to get into, <laughs> there's a certain level where you would say, well, yeah, yes, you're right about that. that we are being lied to. People are being lied to. We are being manipulated by uh, all kinds of people. That's that's what social media and algorithms and and the 24 hour news cycle. And, um, you know, they're just, of course, yes, we, we, we know that this is true, but then the conclusion I would have to that statement, again, if I was at a rage against the machine concert and Zach Delarocha said that the message, I, the takeaway I would have from that would be, so think for yourself, right? That should be the conclusion to that kind of a statement. You're being lied to every single day. The news, politicians, Hollywood, influencers, even your teachers in school are lying to you. So, therefore, think for your damn self. And But that's not what John's going to get to. John's point is, so go back to what your pastors have been telling you for the last 1,500 years or, you know, or 500 years, whatever, and, and, um, and, and go back to the uh, orthodox, you know, his quote-unquote historic Christianity um, that John Calvin gave us. It's just kind of weird. When I would say that, like using Zach De La Rocha, I don't, I don't like, I see rage against the machine, run the jewels, uh, artists like that. Banksy. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Oh yeah. They're punching up. Like, yeah. Yeah. You're the, the biggest, if you, if you listen to the crowd's reaction on that clip, the biggest reaction is to your teachers are lying to you. Uh, huh. And so it's like, okay, the teachers who make 40000 a year, if that, like, you're, you're yeah. punching down. Like, yeah. yeah. And, and also, like, this dude's talking about, like, what, what influencers? You're an influencer, John. Yeah, exactly. You're an influencer in your circles. Alisa Childers has a hundred and some odd thousand subscribers on YouTube. Oh, yeah. She's an influencer. She is. Yes, yeah, she is. Um, Hollywood is not a monolith. Like, it, it, they're not... <laughs> Every Not, movie like, doesn't have the same message, right? The same message and all the actors agree with one another. Like it's yeah, it's so reductive when you speak in these terms. And yes, you're right. There are lies coming out of the news cycles, one hundred percent. Right. But so here's the thing though, like and John is going to get into the next group, which we'll get into in the video, but when you accuse people of lying, you've now added intent to their actions. Uh-huh. Yes. So yeah. To say that they're lying to you means that they know that it's a lie and they're going to say it anyway, rather than John could take a more Christ-like approach rather than a satanic approach. And now you don't use that as a pejorative. I use that in the literal sense. Yeah, He's making an accusation when he should say, if he disagrees, that these people, though they might think they're right, are wrong and here's why. There you go. But he's going to put a pejorative. He's going he's gonna to demonize Mm-hmm. And say that they're lying to you, meaning they know full well what they're doing, and they're doing it anyway. Right? There's something. And I would say that's going on. yeah, yeah, exactly. And I'd say bullshit. 
if it, I, I try to give people the benefit, even John, I try to give him the benefit of the doubt. Right. I try to say, oh, this isn't, he talks about his book every time he does this rant. I try not to say it's a marketing ploy. It sounds like a mark, but I want to give him the benefit of the doubt and say that he is sincere in saying this. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to say John's lying to you. Right. I, I don't think he's lying. I think he is sincere about this. I think oh, he's yeah. extremely misguided, ignorant, <laughs> a meathead, Theo douche bro. Yes. But yeah, I don't yeah. think he's lying. I think he's sincere. Yeah. I think you're, see, no, exactly right. And this is, again, why, even though I disagree with people like him, um, you know, and we mentioned those, those, those people in that group a lot because they all swim in the same streams together. Um, yeah. Even though I disagree with them and I don't really like their methodologies and the way they go about saying what, they, what they're going to say, and they have the absolute right to say whatever they want to say. Um, but it is, um, yeah, I, I do believe that they're sincere. I do think that, you know, they really do believe these things. And I can even understand because, again, you and I used to believe what they believe. And when when, when I did, um, I kind of thought that way too, right? I had a lot of those same kind of, um, you know, ways of approaching things. So I can get it. I, I get it. Yes, if you believe that, the stakes are eternal. And if you believe that, you know, these, this handful of doctrines are the word of God, you know, from on high, then yeah, of course you're going to act this way. Of course you're going to believe this way. So I, I disagree with it, but I can understand it. I think to me, it sounds like a fight or flight or a freeze response. Like I had a freeze response. I was only like the, the stakes were huge. I was only worried about myself. Like <laughs> I'm going to go to hell. Like, And so my, my response was kind of like, like to run or right. to freeze. Yeah. Now my, my, I have more of a fight response in like the, if someone like scares me, I might punch him on accident. You yeah, know? yeah. Yeah. But John seems to be having a fight response to this. Um, yes. To the, it, it, you know, all the, all the cortisol running through his body <laughs> right, right now. Yeah. He was he's definitely taking this very, very personally. Very personally. Yes. If you deconstruct, you have assaulted his wife. You have assaulted his wife. Yes. Okay. Make it about you. All right. Let's get into clip three of five. This is when it's really going to start to get good. Okay. Here we go. And I think this might be the, this one or the next one is the one that uh, Relevant used on their, on their article. Yep. They used to be Christians, they used to be pastors, teachers, preachers, Christian musicians, and they get online and they tell you, this is why I left the faith, and this is the reason you should leave the faith too. They are telling you, they are telling you, this is what you have to do. You have to find true happiness in your heart. That's the only reason you're alive, and the only way to find true happiness Divorce yourself from Jesus Christ. The only way to find happiness is to divorce yourself from the Bible. Wow. Okay, well, I'm pretty sure right there that he's not quoting anybody because I can't think of anybody <laughs> of, of the people he could possibly be um, thinking of that, that has said. Um, uh, this is the way to be happy is to divorce yourself from Jesus or divorce yourself from the Bible. I mean, maybe a few. And again, I think this is, we have to be, clarify some things. And this is part of the, this is, I, I see, you know, this, gets, this happens a lot where they kind of lump everybody into one big group. So yeah. their, their deconversion is not the same as deconstruction. 
um, he seems to, he and others, when we did the thing before about the, the guy, what, I've already forgotten his name, the pastor who talked about deconstruction being sexy. Um, you know, again, what, what he was really talking about was deconversion. And so, um, yeah, I mean, I, so I guess a, a handful of people, like let's say Derek Webb. So he, he mentioned musicians who have, who have left the faith, who said, I used to be a Christian. I'm not a Christian anymore. Um, Derek Webb has not said, I mean, he may have said, this is why I left the faith, but he has never said, and therefore to be happy, you also need to divorce yourself from Jesus and divorce yourself from the Bible. I mean, his most recent album that he's working on right now is called The Jesus Hypothesis, where he's going back now as a former Christian who's now agnostic. I don't know if he would call himself atheist, but he's just going back and re-examining Jesus now from, from a new, you know, from a fresh perspective. So he's he's not telling people, you know, divorce yourself from Jesus, divorce yourself from the Bible. Again, some might be, but those are probably hardcore atheists who have like completely um, want nothing to do with religion at all. But you can't lump them all into one big group. Um, so anyway. Uh, yeah, and that's and that's exactly right. Like there's always people who are like, yeah, you need to get rid of the Bible's all bullshit or Jesus is all bullshit. Mm-hmm. Okay, so what? Like, to me, it's like, okay, so I know John Cooper is not Elisa Childers, but she made that point of like, oh, I don't want a straw man. Well, then quit. Then then y'all need to stop picking the low hanging fruit and find the, oh, the one person who probably said you need to get rid of everything religious or, or everything theological in right, your life. And, right. and then and then. But OK, so what what do you say to all the people? What do you say to the Christians who don't say throw out the Bible, right. who don't say throw out Jesus. Like, what do you say to them? I'm not saying you have to keep Jesus at all. Right. I'm not saying you have to keep the Bible at all. Right. But but why is this? Why is it this one narrative? Mm-hmm. This one narrative that John gets to paint. Like, I know he hasn't read my book, but I have a you know in Heretic, I have a chapter on how Jesus read the Bible. Right. So you so you can't and so you can't say that oh just chuck it all out. Like I literally tell you and show you. Here's where Jesus quoted the Bible. Here's how he quoted it differently from what the original context was. Yep. Here's how he was creative in his rabbinic uh, creativity and, and uh, authority, I guess, to do so. Mm-hmm. Here's why. Here's how Paul followed suit. That's right. Disagree with me if you'd like. That's fine. I don't give a shit. Yeah. <laughs> but don't don't say, oh, divorce yourself from it all. Right. And see, this is, again, this is the thing, too, again, that's frustrating is that it's because it's so much easier for John and others to, again, like you said, pick the low hanging fruit and make it an all or nothing, you know, one extreme to the other extreme discussion because, because they're, they're unwilling. I'm just want to say they're unwilling because I, so far I've never seen an actual honest conversation about, you know, these nuances of the topics of like, you know, I, I would love to see them at least attempt to respond to the pastor, the former pastor, um, or the or the Christian minister or teacher or musician who who says, "Hey, I I used to believe in eternal conscious torment, and then I looked at it and I realized there was two other views: annihilation and the universal reconciliation. And you know what? Um, here's what I figured out. Here's what I learned. Here's why I think it's there's even biblical support and historic Christian support to believe in universal reconciliation. Here's here's why. Okay, respond to that guy because that guy's not saying throw out Jesus. That guy's not saying throw out the Bible." Um, he's just saying, hey, on this particular doctrine, I have changed my view or on penal substitutionary atonement theory or on, you know, whatever the ins- inspiration or inerrancy of scripture. 
because this this is true deconstruction, which he he doesn't again seem to know what what it is. Uh, this is when the other problem they use the term deconstruction. They paint everybody with the same brush, and they don't really understand it and get it. But but to just say, I mean, here's the other thing too: the way he framed it, right? Um, to start off by saying you're being lied to; these these people are lying to you, and then from there go into the, the, the person saying, "Hey, um, this is why I left my faith." So are you are you sort of implying that they're lying to you when they say that? Because I I would believe them if someone tells you this yeah. is this is what I used to believe, and that this is why I left the faith, or this is why I changed my view on a doctrine or a belief. I would listen to them. That they're not yeah. lying to you. Exactly. They're so telling where's the you. lie? Right. Right. But see, this is where the cynic in me comes to the forefront. And I say, but if they talked to people who don't have that view that he's painting right there, right. that pejorative hyperbolic, hyperbolic view, yeah. their whole platform that they're building right now, based on demonizing deconstruction, it's like the anti-deconstruction platform. Right it goes away because then they have nothing to demonize anymore and they have to have nuanced, rational, face-to-face conversations with people that they were telling mistruths about. I don't know if he's doing it on purpose. I think he's that ignorant. He doesn't know what deconstruction is. He doesn't know people personally who have deconstructed. And if he does know them, he's not listening very well. No, no. And see, again, this is why, like when I I first published... um, my book about the three views of hell, Jesus undefeated. Um, I I was looking high and low for a, like a true believer, a Christian who honestly believed in eternal conscious torment, who would, who would be willing to debate me on like an actual, let's get on video. Let's have a formal debate. I could find people who are annihilationists who wanted to debate me. Um, but I could not for the life of me find somebody who honestly believed in eternal conscious torment, willing to actually record a debate with me. And I found that really fascinating. Like, why? Like, if you really do believe this and you're out there preaching it and teaching it and it's in your books or it's, you're doing, you know, talking about this from the pulpit, then what in the world would be the problem? Like, I even, I even framed it this way to some of the people that I reached out to. Like, hey, listen, I'm leading people astray, according to you. I'm, I'm telling people there is no eternal torment. And I'm giving you a chance to publicly correct me and maybe even change my mind and, and show me how I'm wrong. Like, why... If the stakes are that high, why wouldn't you want to have that conversation? And it was just really shocking to me. Now, I had plenty of people who on Facebook comments wanted to like cut and paste a bunch of verses and 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 be done with it like that. They wanted to argue like that online. But that's not a debate. That's not a debate. They didn't <laughs> want to say like, okay, you have 10 minutes to present your case and why you think this. And then you, then you can, res- the other person can respond. And then we have a, a back and forth Q and a, and you know, no, 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 they didn't want that. And they, and they were unwilling to do that. I'm still, I mean, I'm just going to throw it out. I'll, I'll put the challenge back out there again. If you are a genuine, you, you really honestly believe you're a true believer in eternal conscious torment, please let me know if you're willing to do, uh, uh, you know, a debate um, online, like a video debate online. Cause I'm still waiting. Um, We're waiting yeah. for Arlo Slaughter to come on here <laughs> Arlo. and to challenge Arlo you. Slaughter, yes, or, or, or Andrew Sluter, uh, the uh, the Backwoods Bible guy, yeah. Oh, I, I get them mixed up. Our sponsors, <laughs> I, you know. Right. All right, so um, I don't think that was the one that, that he recorded for, or that was recorded on Relevant. I think this one coming up. The next up one, is, I think, yeah. But it's, it's, it's a lot of the same. But, you, but so you know, it's good that we're getting context, I think. This is really good. It is good to get context.
Listen to the young people up in here. This is so important. There is no such thing as divorcing Jesus Christ from the Bible. That is not a thing. I don't hate those deacons who have been Christians. I pray for their repentance. But listen, they have divorced themselves from God. And they want to take as many of you people as they can. And it is time for us and your generation to declare war on this idolatrous deconstruction Christian movement. They are ripping all of our kids off. But the word of God never changes. And he offers us hope in a time of a pandemic. In the time of people losing their jobs, losing their hope, falling back into drug addiction and alcohol addiction and sexual immorality, Jesus offers hope. Jesus sets the captives free because of the cross. Wow. Okay. Um, that's 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 the one. War, boy. Yeah, he 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 gave, he took a breath and he gave that a nice uh, nice push there. War, yeah. a, a nice William Wallace. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, and it's so funny too because again, the previous clip he was saying um, that, th that these evil deconstructionists are trying to tell you to divorce yourself from Jesus, to divorce yourself from the Bible. But then in this clip, he then then he carries carries it on to that they want to divorce Jesus from the Bible. Now that's a totally different thing. Um, I don't even know what Okay, let's, let's talk about that. I don't even know what he means, but yeah. But yeah, so. <laughs> I think I know what he means though. I think I know what he means, but I don't think he understands. I mean, I think he's he's seen anyone who is not an inerrantist yep. as someone who's divorced Jesus from the Bible. Mm -hmm. But if you study Jesus, and you study the Gospels, Jesus was not an inerrantist, no. and there was not one way to view his scripture. Judaism is very creative. Yes. And the people who are the most rigid are the people he battled the most. Right. Like, so those of us who are pointing out different, I mean, you've, you've pointed out the Sermon on the Mount. Yep. I've pointed out, there's Luke 4, there's Luke 7, there is... I got it. Luke 20? Mm. No. Mark 12, quoting Psalm 110. Yep. I mean, let's just look at that one. That one's a really creative one. The Lord said to my Lord, sit at my sit at my feet or sit at my right hand. I'll make a footstool of your, of your enemies. enemies. Yeah. That verse, I mean, he makes that about him when that's not the original context at all. Like, I, the Lord said to my Lord, like David would not be calling his descendant, which Jesus is supposed to be of, right? Yes. My Lord. Right. Like, it's that's not the way it worked. It would be the descendant calling. So he, when he makes it about him, the people he's debating are very confused and irate. Right. What are you doing? That's, that is to take scripture out of context uh -huh. and, and to have like a creative hermeneutic. Yeah. So we're not divorcing. Like when we point that out and say, okay, well, Jesus wasn't an inerrantist in the way you modern folks, Protestant evangelicals are inerrantists. Yeah. That's when right. he, when he says, I mean, you have heard it said like when he quotes Deuteronomy uh -huh. or references Deuteronomy 28 and the rain in Deuteronomy 28 says the rain will fall on the righteous and, and dust you're, you're getting your crops dried up dust is falling wrath is coming for the wicked that's right 
when Jesus says he sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous, that's what he's referencing. That's right. It's a complete and that contradiction. Is a direct, yeah. That is a direct theological contradiction. Yes. It's a, it's a, it's a massive correction. And this is actually one of my biggest um, gripes, if I have one, with um, these kinds of fundamentalist Christians who have adopted this view, again, that the, that the scripture only has one voice, one opinion about everything consistently all the way through, which is absolute nonsense if you've ever read or studied the Bible. Yeah, have you read the Bible? And so that's what they're saying. If you disagree with that, you've now divorced Jesus from the Bible. That's right. When in fact, they're the ones who have divorced Jesus from the Bible because Jesus was a creative exegete and so was Paul. That's right. No, that's a, ooh, that's a great point, actually. Yes. Yeah, if anyone's divorced Jesus from the Bible, it's them. It's John Cooper, people like John Cooper, because what he's doing, the version of Jesus that he has doesn't resemble the actual Jesus that's he in the Bible. He doesn't exist. He doesn't exist. <laughs> no. That Jesus does not exist. No. Nope. He literally never existed. That's right. That's right. And um, yeah, I mean, again, they, people don't see this. That we, we, I mean, people don't get it because we're sort of brainwashed this way. Like usually from the pulpit, people, I mean, at least the churches that I attended, Southern Baptist churches, you know. This is uh, sometimes subtly, but sometimes very overtly emphasized, right? This idea that that the scriptures, uh, they, there are no errors, um, there's no contradictions, it all works together perfectly, right? And so uh, there's an attempt to communicate that and to, to convince people of that. Um, and so because of that, then you we we miss all of the things you just said. We miss all the other ways, like um, like what we do is we, we end up just repeating the mantras that we've heard from the pulpit, like, you know, the Holy Spirit will never contradict what's written in the scriptures. And it's like, well, that's hilarious because when I read the scriptures, what I see that is the consistent pattern is the Holy Spirit will almost always contradict what's written in the scriptures. And I mean, there's examples all through it. Like you just mentioned, mentioned several of them, but there's even the one like uh, the place, I think it's in John, right? Where the disciples are like, hey, should we call down fire from heaven on these, these Samaritans? And Jesus said, which again, by the way, what they're doing is referencing Elijah, who Elijah. They're referencing, yeah. yeah the Eli- scriptures. This is a scriptural precedent. Yes. According yes. to the scriptures, it is written, we have the authority to call down fire from heaven against our enemies like this. And then yeah. Jesus responds by saying, you know not what spirit you are of. Whoa. Isn't that sort of right. saying that, that, that the spirit that, that sounds just like that from, from the Old Testament scriptures is it what Jesus is all about? Like that's a different, a different spirit. You have the example of um, one of my favorite ones where here's Peter praying on his roof. This is you know, way after the resurrection and the, and the ascension and the, and the Pentecost, right? Peter's praying on his roof and three times God shows him this vision of these unclean animals coming down in, in this sheet. And, and then three times the spirit commands him to eat. Okay. That right there. Is the Spirit of God contradicting what is written in the Scriptures that's, that clearly say you shall not eat these unclean animals? And so don't tell me the Spirit will never contradict what's written in the Scriptures. It seems like, the if anything, it always does. It's Or, you know, you should expect that it would, that it might. Um, so, yeah, it, again, it's just that it's... It's like you're you're reading a fantasy or something. Like, you're, you're not really reading the Scriptures. Um, yeah, you're just making these brazen, and that, that's his word, brazen statements that don't, don't really have much basis. That's a, that's a great irony. Yeah. They don't, they claim to take the Bible so seriously, and they don't actually read it with any sort of open mind. I think right. they just, I mean, I'm guessing they just like, gloss over things. I mean, I, I don't know, I don't know how you don't see it. Yeah. Like, you don't see, like, in... 
and I don't even care about the contradictions. I don't care no. if Jesus was killed on Thursday or Friday, <laughs> right. depending on which. I mean, I don't care about all this stuff. Different countings of numbers of soldiers in this army. Yeah. How many foreskins were shut, cut off? <laughs> I don't give a shit. Right. Who cares? <laughs> but it's like there's the theological ones that like uh, there's um, what is it? Second Kings. There's a story of is it Jehu? And slaughters um, oh, yeah, the house yeah. of a- slaughters the house of Ahab with God's consent. In, That's right. in fact, God commands it. Right. But then you get into I think it's Hosea one. That house is punished for what they did. That's right. And it's like, wait a second. Which is it? They were they were con- they were instructed to do it. Right. And now the the next prophet's like, nah, they're going they're going to get punished for what they did. That's right. Rowan Williams and Peter Enns point that out. Yes. Okay, so now now times that by a hundred because that's what the Bible is. Like that's there's right. all these stories that's right. of contradictions. Yes. Of of you know, in Luke four, why why do they want to throw Jesus off a cliff? Why? Because when he quotes the Bible, he leaves off the day of vengeance of God that's gonna liberate the people for the day of Jubilee. Uh-huh. And then when they get contentious, he uses their own prophets yes. as examples of when they blessed people outside of the nation of Israel. That's right. When Elisha and Elijah blessed Naaman the Syrian, who was a general who killed Israelites in, in, in an army. That's right. Like he's pointing to the fact that the day of Jubilee extends outside of their borders. And that's too much. Yeah. And so they want to throw him off a cliff. Yeah. Well, what's he doing with the scripture there? He's tinkering with it. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. oh you're... You're divorcing Jesus from the Bible. No, you are. Right. You are because right. you're not reading it. Right. And then, um, yeah, and then th- th- those kinds of contradictions actually are all through. I mean, on a pretty major theological, um, you know, doctrine, which, which, uh, you know, by the way, penal substitutionary atonement theory hinges on one particular view of this doctrine of like um, of animal sacrifice, right? Um and so again, the the assumption would be, I'm sure, I'm, I'm I can almost guarantee, if I if I had a chance to talk to John Cooper, he w- and and said to him, you know, does the Bible teach um, that God commands animal blood sacrifice for the forgiveness of sins? He would say absolutely, and he would probably even quote like, uh, ironically, a verse in Hebrews that says, "Without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness of sins." But there's also lots of Old Testament verses that say that, and that's therefore that's the, the answer is yes. But you'd be ignoring like 10 other verses in the Old and New Testaments that say the opposite. There's even like shocking verses in the Old Testament where God says like, I never commanded, gave any commands at all about animal sacrifice when I brought you out of Egypt. Like what, what, what? Because Moses sure thought so, but. That's why, that's why the NIV tinkers with Jeremiah. Yep. And he and they add just. I never just asked. Right. I never just commanded. It's like that changes the whole. I mean, it, it, yeah. What they did to Jeremiah twenty seven twenty three or twenty two twenty two and twenty three. I never commanded it means I never commanded it. That's right. I never just commanded it means, means I did. I commanded that and a bunch of other shit. That's right. No, you're right. And see, that's exactly and that, right. But that that word's not in Hebrew. That's you right. added. They inserted <laughs> that into the text. Yes. Okay. Now now you're getting onto something that I also uh, drives me kind of loopy about. Uh, this this whole inerrancy kind of thing is that again, Alyssa Childers and John Cooper and all these people will will pound the table about the inerrancy of Scripture and the inspiration of Scripture and 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 people who deconstruct like he's demonizing here in this statement. Um, you know, they're lying to you and they're you know they're trying to divorce you from the Bible or Jesus from the Bible or whatever. Um, so then when you try to say, hey, by the way, 
Like you like that's one example, right? Hey, you know there, there there was a word added to Jeremiah that wasn't there. Or did you know like um, uh, what is the, the passage in Philippians that says every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord? Um, that yeah. there that actually that word um, every every tongue will confess. Um, it's the word exomologio in the Greek, and the, the definition of that word confess is to gladly confess. And so it's it should be translated, every knee will bow and every tongue will gladly confess. Mm-hmm. Like that changes that a lot too. Because I always used to read that scripture thinking that, you know, the, the enemies of God would like grit their teeth and bow their knee and like, oh, Jesus is Lord. They would just be saying it, you know, contemptuously. But that's not what that verse says. It says every knee will bow and every tongue will gladly confess, like willingly, joyfully confess. That radically changes the meaning of that text, especially if you compare it to another uh, passage that Paul uh, says in Romans, that everyone who confesses Jesus as Lord is saved. So, you know, that's right. just one example. There, there's so many examples throughout Scripture, Old and New Testament, where words are changed or left out. We talked before about the how... Um, you know, the word homosexual was added in 1946, that that word never appeared in the New Testament uh, in any English translation uh, of the Bible until that until that year. Like, and so again, when you point these things out, when you say, okay, hey, 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 you guys who, who almost worship the Bible and say the Bible is so sacred and holy and it's the words of the living God dictated by God and dropped out of heaven from the sky bounding Corinthian leather. And I say to you, hey, do you know that there are some people who talk about people lying to you. There are some people who went into the scriptures, added words, took words out, changed the meaning of words on purpose to, to change the original meaning of what the word of God said. Who should be the most upset about that? Like, why, why aren't they upset about that? You point that out to them and they're just like me. <laughs> I just yeah, have never did. understood that. They don't. It, that doesn't fit with their agenda, I guess. I. It's convenient for them because because those convenient. changes actually support their doctrines. Therefore, they're, it's yeah. okay. They're theological changes. You're yeah. you, you're using manipulation to make theological points. That's right. If you add just in there, now you can. If you add just in in Jeremiah seven, now it fits with your idea that God demands blood sacrifice. Yep. And your atonement theory hinges on the fact that God demands blood sacrifice. That's right. It's why in Genesis 22, you read story of Abraham and Isaac as God t- telling Abraham to kill his son Isaac because that is a precursor right. to what's going to happen with Jesus. You don't pay attention to the fact that the word for God is used all up and all up until an angel of Yahweh stops it. Uh-huh. So you don't see that shift in Hebrew, but <laughs> right. it says El, 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 Elohim. That's the name for God until an angel of Yahweh uh-huh. stops it. Different. So now you get a theological shift. Why? Because those people were, they believed in many gods. That's right. And they believed in, in animal and child sacrifice. Right. So you now move as a, just approaching it as an historian would, you've, you've made a theological shift there. Yep. And so now this God of Yahweh doesn't have anything to do with Abraham and Isaac. Right. <laughs> yeah. We're going to shift from slaughtering Isaac to, hey, we're going to slaughter a ram uh-huh. or a bull. or what, yeah. I, It was a lamb there. I, I don't remember. I think it was a ram because its horns were right. caught it's in a horns, bush yeah. or something. Right. 
but the point there is not necessarily that, oh, well, well, well it's because God really demands animal sacrifice. No, the point is <laughs> we're moving from one place to another and we're not going to stay there. That's right. That's but, right. But let me ask you this. How have we in this episode, let's just look at this episode. How have we divorced Jesus from the Bible and all we're talking about? Because we talked a lot of Bible. That's right. We talked a lot of Jesus. Mm-hmm. We talked a lot of in-depth exegetical and hermeneutical stuff. Yep. You can disagree with us, but how have we divorced him from the Bible? Right. And so this is that, exactly because that's this is what makes it so infuriating to be lumped into this category of these deconstructing Christians are telling you blah, blah, blah. When nope, I'm not saying that at all. Like if anything, I'm trying to actually use the scriptures that you say you care about so much to show you that what you believe isn't in there. Right. <laughs> exactly. And we spend fucking books doing it, man. <laughs> right. Like if I read my books, I, even I like cringe at how much Bible is in there. I'm yeah. like, eh, I don't even like, I got a lot of Bible in my books, man. Yeah. Like exactly. I got a whole book on interpreting Genesis. Like I got like, yes. And you could, again, it's not that I'm right, but don't straw man us. This is the one thing you say you don't want to do. Then don't do it. Stop yeah. doing it. That's right. And address the things that we're saying, not the things you want us to be saying that makes it easier for us to be refuted. Right. Which is the definition of a straw man. That's right. That's exactly the definition. Yeah. Man. That's let's get into the last one because we're pushing an hour. Almost yeah. Okay. okay. I don't know if there's any good stuff in here, but we're about to find out. Okay. I'll tell you what I'm excited about. I'm excited because this has been such a crazy Lots and lots of young people are starting to say, maybe this isn't working. Maybe there is an answer that I can build my life upon. Yes, there is an answer. His name is Jesus Christ. That is what I'm excited because there's a generation of young people asking the right questions. And it's time for you young folks to tell all these social media people and influencers, it's time to tell them. We are not listening anymore. Yeah. We are not listening anymore. I'm excited about seeing the generation rise up and be passionate for Jesus. My wife's going to hand me this book over here. Thank you. I wrote this book. It's called Awaken the Mind to Truth. I just want to take that very quickly before we play more music. I wrote this book so that young people can understand the fundamental truths of the Bible. This book is sold at the Billy Graham Library. It is sold to focus on the family. I'm saying that because leaders, parents, I want you to know you're not getting anything strange here, okay? This is fundamental Bible theology in a way that young people can understand why they need Jesus in the first place. Because society is lying to them. Society is telling all of our young people, you're good just the way you are. But the Bible says, actually, there's a big problem with the way that you are. Because every single one of us has sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. You are not okay! Sorry, that's so cringy. Oh man, I, I apologize to everyone who was hashtag triggered by that. <laughs> Damn, part of me is morbid curiosity it would would want to maybe look through that book. Although I'm pretty sure I could guess right now, I could probably write that book 
for I him. I want you to. I want you to. I want you to. Here's here's your challenge, Keith. Should you accept it? I want you to only see the titles of the chapters, uh-huh. the table of contents. And guess what he's going to say? And write all of them <laughs> right. and see if it matches. Yeah, but I, I bet I could do a better job even because I know what he's going to say. Um, I mean, you know what? Can I just say this should be a red flag? Young people of America, if you're listening, <laughs> as, as John Cooper was speaking to young people in America. Uh, here's what I would say is like, think about this for a second. Anybody who says, don't, don't listen to people who disagree with me, stop listening to them. We're not listening to those people anymore. And instead, buy my book and read my book. Like, that should be a huge red flag for anybody right there. Like, well, if, why, what's the danger then? If you're telling me the truth and they're lying to me, why can't I read both? And then I'll, it'll be clear to me which is which. I'll say, maybe okay, he, this is true. He knows he's not a very good writer. Yeah, but I see. I, I just think it's sort of like this is this is my problem again with the um, with the way you know American Christianity has sort of reacted to the whole deconstruction movement is like you know don't um, don't think about that don't read that book don't you know don't read Marcus Borg don't listen to Rob Bell um, you know don't 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 uh, don't watch those Richard Rohr videos uh, why like why not why are we so afraid that someone's going to, because again, again, think of it the other way. Like it's not going the other direction. I'm not telling people don't read John Cooper's book. I mean, shit, if you want to, I guess, but damn, I, I would go be, for it. I'd be like, yeah, this is depressing, but go Lock for it. yourself out. Yeah, <laughs> go for it. And then, and then read, I would say, read his book and then read Heretic. There you go. Read both. There you go. Read both books and make up your own mind. Think for yourself. And yeah. I'm not afraid for anybody, anybody to do that. Read no. both. and then. And then there's the other thing too about like just telling young people, don't, we're not listening to, you know, tell, tell these people, we're not listening to you. I'm sorry, John, that's not going to work. If you think your that strategy is going to work, like if I just tell them, don't listen, that they won't listen. If I just tell these young people, don't ask questions about why this theology doesn't make sense, that that'll fix it. Oh, no, it will not. <laughs> they're, they're going to, you cannot help but ask these questions. You cannot help but be curious about like, well, why is God, if God is love, why is God going to burn some of his children for eternity? Don't listen to that. Don't ask that question. Well, what do you mean? Don't ask that question. Like you can't stop it. And and it just proves that they don't have a good answer to that question. That's the reason they're telling you don't ask, don't ask the question because their answers are really lame. They don't have a good answer for that question. So, so their, so their strategy is just stop asking the question. Don't go there. Don't listen to people that that are asking those questions either. Um, just buy my book. This is going to like just reaffirm and hammer home the same kind of nonsense that creates those questions in the first place. So here's my answer to the people who um, tell me that they're not going to listen to me. Okay. Okay. Have a, like have a good day. Yep. <laughs> like I, I, there's a. Uh, there's this thing I want. It's like a crocheted thing. It's like, behold, the field in which I sow my fucks. See that it is barren. <laughs> like I, I literally like, I don't know. I don't know about you, but if people come on your page and they're like, I'm not following you anymore. I'm like, I don't give a shit. Yeah, like, fine. Yeah. I don't care. Yeah. Like you tell all the social media, anyone who is an influencer, I don't consider myself an influencer, but mm. I'm creating content. I'm not trying to influence anyone. I'm just trying to create something. Right. Yeah, but whatever whatever word you want to use, content creator, any word, like no one, 
Like, I don't think they care. <laughs> I mean, the people who are not creating anything, they're just trying to have numbers. Yeah, they might care. Yeah. But those of us who don't necessarily care. Yeah, of course we want numbers so that we can sell books and pay our bills. Sure, sure. But like, if you don't want to read my book, don't read my book. Like we've said, we said it a hundred. How many times have we said this about Heretic Happy Hour? It's, it's not for everyone. It might not be for you. And if you don't like it, that's cool. That's right. Go. There are... The last estimate I saw, 2.7 million podcasts. Whoa. Yep. Go find one. Go find one you like. No, that, that's cool. That's exactly right. I mean, you know, it's funny you said that about the podcast because uh, about Heretic Happy Hour because I, I was thinking that exact same thing. Like like when I've gone on other people's podcasts and uh, been interviewed or whatever about one of my books or something, um, and they'll ask me at the end, you know, how can people get a hold of you? Um, I'm almost consistently, well, that's how I kind of explain Heretic Happy Hour. I'll even just flat out say, Hey, I do this thing called Heritage Happy Hour, and it's hey, listen, I'm gonna tell you right up front, it's not for everybody. Um, if you're offended, if you don't like it, that's okay. I have good friends, really good friends, right? Even my mom, mother, um, who love me, but don't you know they they don't listen to Heritage Happy Hour, and I'm like, that's fine, that's okay, you don't have to, that's great. And so you know, yeah, that that's my that's definitely my attitude as well. Like, I'm not trying. I, I in other words, I only want to talk to the people whether it's my books or my blogs, the podcast, whatever, I just want to talk to the people who want to know these things, right? Who have, who genuinely are asking these questions, who want to know, like, what, what does this mean? Or why is this happening? Or what, you know, what, why does this not make sense in the Bible? Like, that's who I want to talk to. Like, right. I don't want to, why, but why I'm not wasting my time with people who have made up their minds that everything's great. Like, again, if it's not broken, you can't fix it. So if they don't think it's broken, it's, I'm wasting my time trying to tell them how to fix it. Again, the cynic in me just says this whole thing was like a, it was like an a, a advertisement. He did a great he job. Got, he got to the punchline yeah. and it was like, buy my book. Uh, it comes with a CD. Here's the price. And it's like available okay, on cool. Billy like, Graham and uh, focus on the family. Focus on the family. Cause it don't want to get weird. It's like, okay. <laughs> yeah. You don't want to get weird. That's why you're selling it. The focus on the family. Christ. Yeah. We're in deep shit. And think of it this way too. Okay. Just that, that, that little detail alone. So here he is at a rock concert and there's a bunch of teenagers there and he tells these teenagers, right? As he's covered in tattoos and piercings and stuff. He is someone's heretic. I guarantee you Of course he is. Of course he is. And then he tells these, can you imagine? I just can't even imagine standing up at a rock concert with a bunch of teenagers and telling them to go buy my CD or my album at focusonthefamily.com or Billy Graham's ministry. Like what? (laughs) What? Well, you think those kids every day get up in the morning, pick up their phone, check Instagram, and then go to focus on the family to see what, you know, to read an article? Like, why the hell are you? That's so metal. <laughs> it's so, yeah, dude, that's, wow. Dude, Cooper, you are so punk rock. <laughs> so punk rock, man. Focus on the family. <laughs> yeah, that, dude, ah, man. See, what that tells you is, what is this? This really is, this exposes this whole idea right off the bat. It's all smoke and mirrors. I just want to say it. This whole idea that he is this, this, um, you know, like rebel rock star guy and all that stuff. He's this whatever. And you know what? I, I, okay. So when I used, I used to work in the Christian music industry. Now this granted, this was like 15, 15 years ago, Shame. 15, 20 years ago. I think I it was like a long time ago, but anyway, when I worked for, uh, the Christian music industry, I actually worked for the, the distributor that, um, we sold Tooth and Nail, which had just started. So, like Tooth and Nail was like the real legit kind of hardcore oh. thing. And you've um, got, you, okay, you've got some punk rock cred. Then. There you go. Thank you. And um, <laughs> and so our competition was like you know we're, we're selling like 
Focused and Plank Eye and Starflyer and, you know, all these kind of bands. And, um, and then, you know, you get the sales charts and stuff and, and every, so, you know, we, our record comes out, we, we put out this album and it's like hardcore punk or it's, um, whatever, alternative rock or something like that. And, um, and then, but then you would look at the sales charts and Petra would have the number one record, right. Or the number one single. And it was like, okay, do you know why that is? Because the people buying the, the, the music that we were putting out, the tooth and nail stuff, were actual young people. Like the teenagers themselves were getting, you know, getting a ride from their mom or riding their bike down to the, to the store and they were buying it because they liked it. Tower Records. Right, yeah. <laughs> right. And, but do you know who was buying Petra Records? The soccer moms or the grandmas uh-huh. because Johnny likes Pearl Jam. And I don't, and that's this evil satanic music. So, you know, I'm going to go to the Christian bookstore and right next to the macrame book holders or whatever, you know, uh, Bible covers, whatever. Um, there's a, there's a little CD section and I'm going to ask the, Hey, you know, my, my, my grandson, he likes Pearl Jam and Nirvana. What should I buy? Petra read, give him Petra. Oh, he likes rap. You know, what should I buy? Oh, Carmen, give him Carmen. And so like, yes, you, you know, they were selling a lot of product. Uh, They were selling more product, but it was the people buying it, weren't listening to it. They were giving it to their kids or their grandkids. And I guarantee you their grandkids weren't listening to it either. So, so this whole thing, (laughs) this whole thing about like, you know, skillet is like this hardcore punk rock kind of thing, rock rock and roll kind of edgy thing. The fact that it's available on focus on the family and Billy Graham's ministry should tell you everything you need to know about how much real, really Christian young people or otherwise really give a crap about his music. No, like even the, even the Christian music I listened to, it was more like under oath. Uh Emery. Oh yeah. Oh dude. Yeah. They're good. Uh, yeah, my um, I knew a guy. He's from Chico. He played in Emory. Um, even like Number One Gun because they were from Chico. Um, like the real, but then the real hard stuff, like the Solid State records. Oh stuff, yeah, the, yeah. You yeah. know that they weren't selling their shit. I mean, like uh, <laughs> right. Petra might have got sold by, sold by you know because of a, mom, a soccer mom trying to get it for their kid who's into hard rock, but they weren't going to be like, oh, listen to Zayo. Right or living living sacrifice or me without or, you or yeah me that's way too weird yeah like and <laughs> those are the like that 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 was the good quote unquote I wouldn't even call me without you Christian because they had a whole album based on um a, a Sufi mystics writings right and, you know so Sufism is Muslim I mean how dare they and that was that was on was it Solid State or Tooth and Nail I don't remember either one yeah. But yeah, yeah, no, yeah, you're not you're not punk rock if you're selling your shit at Focus on the Family. Bro. <laughs> I yeah, newsflash: uh, if your record is sold at Focus on the Family, you might not be a uh, true rock and roll artist. Yeah. yeah, you are not a legend, my friend. <laughs> uh, well, I uh, I I think that's all we have to say about John Cooper. Now this thing can go to bed. I hope so, boy. I hope unless he says something else stupid in the next couple of days. But uh, yes, no, we should be done no, with him for we, a while. We got to move on to someone else, like uh, Greg Locke. Should we talk about witches next episode? No, next episode is actually um, the episode that got bumped because we had to talk about this. So we already have one recorded for the following episode of this. Which is it? And then we what did we talk about? LGBTQ. Oh, that's right. Okay. We talked about that, but I was like, we got to bump that because that's more evergreen. This is more pressing because a war, Keith, a yes. war has been declared <laughs> war, on us. And war is upon you. 
<laughs> it's upon you. What does Gandalf say? Whether you like it or not, it's upon you. <laughs> it's like, says that to, to, uh, to who does he say that to? King Theoden, I believe. Yes, war is upon you. The orcs have already stormed the gates. There's no getting out of it now, man. Shots fired. That's right. I, what, do, what do you mean by that? I want to know. What? John, I know you're listening. Yeah, war. What, what do you mean? mean? What is the practical way in which you're going to declare war on us? Yeah. A ver- a verbal, oh, is this a, a cipher, a rap battle? What are we going to do? You no, know, see, that, that's why I wrote my blog post. I, I, I'm just saying, like, what does it mean? I mean, it's what honestly, it's What too, does it mean in practical terms? Yeah, it's too vague. Um, yeah, and I, I think abstract. he probably does mean it really, like you said, more like this is all just rhetoric to sell his product. Yeah. Um, but the danger is that, you know, as we have seen, there are some kooky people out there who really probably who follow him and really love him. And they've got a couple of shotguns. You know, they've got a they've got a gun rack in their truck. And when he says I'm declaring war on de- deconstructing Christians, they take that literally. And some will. Yeah. The, the danger is someone might get beat up or killed over there you that, go. that kind of language. I- that's the danger. It's it's only one step away from what Kanye is doing to Pete Davidson and, yeah. and Kim Kardashian. I mean, Kanye said, I guess he since deleted it, but like yell at Pete Davidson, like scream at him. Yeah. That's only that's only like a half a step removed from we're declaring war on deconstructing Christians. That's right. So you're like you said, some crazy people and Christianity, at least in America, is very warmongering and very violent in terms of their theology. Yeah. And some people in terms of their actual day-to-day lives yes so you're going to get some young kids like i got to declare a war okay what does that mean well it means violence it means coercion it means in your face it means i mean you're equating us to someone who sexually assaults your wife yep you're demonizing people what happens when you demonize a group that group becomes ostracized eventually it can lead to violence so there's some real shit here that i'm not saying that john is advocating violence but your words have actions that's right like your words have consequences and people will take you if they take you literally like they take the bible yes <laughs> they may take it too far exactly and see again that that's my concern is that because he's left it open-ended and ambiguous um he's allowing his listeners and his fans to fill in the space fill in fill in the definition fill in the blank yeah. and so then now whatever it means to me and especially then as you said you know we've as we've talked about here you know, when you're talking about a group of people who already are violent and militant and in many other ways already, um, very much like Second Amendment, you know, all that kind of stuff, um, then and, and then you add to that theologically um, these ideas that this is the, the stakes are eternal. This is life and eternal life and eternal torturous death. Right. Endless, endless torture. Um, and, and now who's at risk? Young people. Right. Mm-hmm. Children. So, OK, let's you add all those things up. The stakes are eternal. Um, there are these evil people that are lying to you. Um, they're nefarious and sinister. They're um, the, 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 you know, the stakes are that children, young people, innocent, kind, beautiful young people are going to be preyed upon and cast into the flames of the lake of fire by someone like me or you uh, who dares to label themselves as a heretic or a deconstructionist. And, um, and so, Hey, well, what have I, we've got to do something about this, right? You, you, well, you can't sit around. This is the same kind of thing. This is the reason why people started blowing up in abortion clinics, right? Back in the eighties, yep. because, you know, just put, put all those things together, right? They're murdering children and, um, the government won't stop them. 
And yeah. you know, we have to do something about it. And if we don't, we're just blood is on my hands if I don't do something about it. So once you once you convince somebody that those are the stakes and this is you know, and this something needs to be done, and then then you get up there and say, I declare war. Um, yeah, some people you are take never, that breath. Yeah. <gasps> Yeah, you really emphasize it. Yeah, someone's gonna someone's gonna cock their shotgun and say, "Yep, bring it on, let's go." That's what scares me. I hope not. Well, no one knows who we are, so it won't be us. (laughs) That's right. Our anonymity is—we're working in our favor. (laughs) Have you ever gotten death threats? Um, no, I don't think I've gotten a death threat, but I I did. Um, I did one time actually have a, I was on an online conversation on my blog with somebody or maybe on Facebook and it was with a pastor where we were discussing whether or not Jesus was nonviolent. And he was, he was, he's a pastor now. And he was telling me that Jesus was not nonviolent. Jesus was not a pacifist. Jesus did not do all these things, right? He was this kick-ass, brave heart, wild, wild at heart kind of guy. And then he said, he threatened, he said, I will kick your ass if you try to tell me that Jesus was nonviolent. And I was like, Oh my gosh, this guy is in a pulpit every Sunday. And he yep. just threatened to physically assault me for teaching that Jesus was nonviolent. Wow. So that's cool. as close as it got. I've only had someone say I could look up where you live and show up at your house. Oh, damn. It's like, yeah, you probably could, I guess. Shit. Yeah, dude. It was, I don't think it was a pastor, though. Yeah. And there are some weirdos out there. I mean, I have had weirdos. Like, definitely have yeah. had people not definitely threaten weirdos. me, like, with violence and anger, but I've had people maybe show me too much love <laughs> to put it that way. Oh. Like somebody who likes me a little too much and obsesses on some things and keeps sending me voice. Here's the thing too. They don't just send you messages. They'll record an audio track Oh yeah, and I, send I, you like endless yeah, yeah, audio yeah. tracks. And I'm like, would you stop please? Cause this is creeping yeah. me out. Yeah. I've yeah, definitely had the stalker types. Yes. But yeah. Anyway, well, thanks, John, for the content. Much love. I uh, hope everyone listening go buys, go, goes and buys his book. Yeah, focus on the family. Go check it out. Hey, may, maybe we'll even do an advertisement <laughs> next time. Hey, maybe we'll do a <laughs> we'll, we'll sponsor. That'd be great. Hi, this is John Carper, <laughs> and uh, I'm from the band Frying Pan. Frying Pan, from the Frying Pan. All right. All right. We'll talk to you later. Let's get the fuck out of here. All right. See you. Bye.